today on Ag News Daily. Values are down, but we're also very reluctant to sit there and say it's going to continue. We won't be lower forever, and we're starting to see some time uh, signs. Yesterday we heard that a nitrogen plant in Europe, in Italy, actually is going to be shut down due to economic reasons. The price of urea has fallen substantially. Their natural gas price remains high. They're starting to say, no moss, we got to shut this thing down. Well, listeners, November 29th, 2023, the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney hanging out virtually together today. Tanner, you sound like you're getting sick. You know, there's a little bit of a gravel. You're right. I uh, I feel fine, but it does seem like there might be some early season cold setting in. So we'll see how this progresses. All right. Well, best of luck to you. <laughs> Good thing we're doing it virtually, right? You don't have to worry about getting sick, at least not from me per se that's true you can keep your germs to yourself hey that's fair we do have a little bit of weather not much to talk about today thunderstorms are expected to rumble through much of oklahoma into this evening and thursday some of those storms could be severe but mostly just going to be rain the only severity that is forecasted is potential for some hail in central arkansas storms are forecasted to then carry thursday into friday to bring the rain there periods of moderate to heavy rainfall during that period otherwise that's about all we have across the nation we're looking to warm up here in the midwest today and tomorrow with some of those uh system spinoffs hitting our direction so that's about all i got for weather this morning All right, Tanner. Well, I'll keep us moving here then with some avian influenza news. We've got a few headlines here coming to us from various parts of the country, Uh, one of which is Iowa's bird flu death toll has surpassed last year's record levels. A recent detection of avian influenza was found in a flock in Sioux County, Iowa. The flock of these birds was about 1.6 million birds that had to get colds. And this has increased the death toll for total avian influenza chickens attacked here for mid-October to about 3 million birds. That's more than double the number of detections in October, November, and December of last year in in Iowa, which affected about 2.5 million birds. And the final virus confirmation last year happened December 12th. So we still might see a couple more weeks here of continued avian influenza impact for the state of Iowa. The total number of birds affected in 2022 was 16 million birds. And so as we look at this year in 2023, uh, certainly starting to tick up close to those numbers, if not higher than that tanner as the death toll does continue to increase it seems like not quite daily but definitely uh pretty frequently we also saw france has detected an outbreak of hpva or highly pathogenic avian influenza and these were found on turkey farms in the northwest corner of france The agricultural ministry said that a seasonal wave of infection has started to spread across Europe, and France's first farm case was found this fall, where we saw an infected wild turkey infected some commercial populations. So they're certainly watching indoor production as well, and uh, French production is a pretty big duck production of all the poultry that they Uh, look at there. Last year, about 8% of the total French duck population 
was cold due to avian influenza. So they're watching closely, hopefully putting in some fresh biosecurity measures, but we're watching that closely here in the United States as well. I wondered, I was going to ask you what the main focus of birds were over there. So I'm glad that you were able to share that with us. Uh, sticking with livestock per se, the January 1, 2023 cattle inventory report included a beef cow herd of 28.9 million head, which was down 3.6% year over year. And the smallest cattle total per cow total uh, since 1962. But more importantly, what we continue to see now is less beef replacement heifers being kept. That number, according to the last report, was down 5.8%. Replacement heifers included inventory heifers expected to calve of 3.17 million. That was also down 5.1%. Both replacement heifers and total heifers expected to calve delinear at the lowest levels since 2011. Having that available supply of bred heifers combined with beef cow coin this year is determined to change how the inventory looks next year. From the beginning of this year, this supply is going to continue to include a decrease that will sharply affect the excess growth. For a while, we had about 18% surplus in our beef cuts on an annual basis. Now we're looking at projections to where those figures would be much less. The cumulative beef cow slaughter reached a maximum year over year that was at a decreasing percentage as well in early September, a significant decrease of 13.8%. And the July cattle report confirmed that the beef cow herd was down by 2.6% year over year. So where do we think this is gonna peg itself Delaney coming forward as we get our end of year reporting? It is gonna have to take a strong seasonal push and some late season decision-makings to keep some heifers back to not have that number slide even more than expected. But we're looking at that beef heifer replacement number to be down 8 to 10%, Delaney. All right. I think that's pretty in line with what we've been watching here and seeing in the cattle markets. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lower supply impacts prices because we have seen beef prices at some record high levels, Tanner. But we've also <laughs> seen fertilizer at record high levels, maybe not this year, but certainly in years prior. As we look at the weekly fertilizer tracker from DTN, retail fertilizer prices were mixed for the third week of November 2023. Out of the eight major fertilizers, five of which had an average price that was lower compared to last month, whereas three fertilizer prices had a significant increase compared to last month. Again, significant increase is anything that is 5% greater or more. And of those three fertilizers that pushed higher in the week of third week of November, those were MAP, Potash, and Anhydrous. So we have a great conversation, Tanner, coming up today, actually, with Josh Linville of Stonex to talk about the fertilizer outlook. So I just wanted to set the stage there for our listeners. Yeah, you're right. That is a good conversation for us to share with our listeners. I have just some war-related headlines. The Ukrainian-Russian war so far has not really affected the world crop sector as much as we had expected. But when you have favorable weather in some of the areas, then you don't have to worry so much about some regions not producing. Commodity prices soared when Russia invaded Ukraine in February 22 too, but <clears throat> fears of grain shortages certainly fell off 
as South America and other regions continue to push forward. The forest, the, the basically the war has provided an opportunity for ag to you know, demonstrate resiliency. When you have economists that continue to provide economic insights to show the impact, Delaney, it's a surprise that it really hasn't changed much, which the question now leads economists to think when the war officially ends, what type of adverse effect is that going to have as they begin to resume back to normal? Of course, the biggest idea and consideration there is how long it takes for those nations to return back to normal. Further analysis states that if you looked at the production of the world from 2017 to 2021, prior to that war, that we can't expect it to immediately jump right back to that level. So it's expected though, that a sizable portion of this land will begin to become back in grain production. But ultimately the result of that war will demonstrate how much that grain makes it into the world market. So economists will continue to watch that. My updates coming from Israel, Hamas, their truce enters their sixth day to day, like you talked about yesterday. Negotiators are working towards another potential extension to see if another group of hostages can be freed. Among those being held as a 10 month old that is kidnapped with his four year old brother. Those who have been freed described being given very little food and not knowing if their family members were safe. So there are concerns about those two young children. Over the first five days, the Hamas has released 81 hostages and Israel freed 180 Palestinians or Palestinians from their prison. So we'll continue to keep an eye on this. Meanwhile, the CIA director is continuing to work on the negotiations of this hostage deal, also alongside Qatar's government to push for a broader agreement that would last longer and free all the hostages. But that's what I've got for headlines today, Delaney. Well, Tanner, let me take a look here. I also had some Israel Hamas updates, but I think you've grabbed most of those. So I think I am out of headlines here as well, aside from a few things impacting the markets here this morning as we head into opening session. A few estimates were put out recently by Brazil's agro consultancy agency down in Brazil that farmers are expected to produce about 10 million metric soybean metric million tons of soybeans less than originally forecasted after some of the drought has impacted the Mato Grosso area. That should be potentially favorable for the markets here. However, on the other side of the coin, we do head into first notice day tomorrow for December position holders, and that could certainly impact markets as well. All in all, though, Tanner, as we take a look at the overnights here today, heading into the opening session, we're mixed on the board here. December corn, like I mentioned, heads into first notice day tomorrow is down a quarter of a cent at 451 and a quarter. January soybeans up three pennies in the overnight at 13.49 and a half. As we take a look at the wheat complex here, the December Chicago contract also heading into expiration and delivery up five cents on the board at 5.48 and three quarters. December hard red winter wheat up eight and a half cents at 6.21 and a half and December spring wheat down a penny and a quarter at 6.93 and a quarter. A quick reminder at where livestock closed yesterday, big moves on the board for live cattle as the December contract added $2.87.5 to close at $1.7165. January feeder cattle got back most of what they lost earlier in the week, up 
$8.25 at $2.2105. And December lean hogs up $1.05 to close at $68.92 and a half. Tanner, as I teased earlier in the episode, we are chatting today with Josh Linville of Stonex to chat all things fertilizer. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Catching up with Josh Linville, the vice president of fertilizer for Stonex. Josh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. It's, it's hard to say no when it's in a hometown, you know, literally 15 minutes away from the office. I can make that trip. Yeah, that's right. I forget Stonex's office is so close to to Kansas City NAFB, but we appreciate you being here nonetheless. Absolutely. So Josh, uh, I appreciated the email that you sent out to some of the media folks you've got on your list just the other day about some of the current impacts here with fertilizer with Russia, Ukraine. Of course, that's an ongoing discussion and debate, Israel, Hamas. But as we sit here today, heading into 2024, what's your outlook majorly macro level for 2024 fertilizer prices? There's a lot of things. What I've tried to liken it to is we're still very close to the edge of the cliff. We can't sit there and believe that, hey, we're much, much lower values than what we were March, April of 2022 when we were sitting all the highs. From that standpoint, it feels like, oh, everything's behind us. There's nothing to worry about. But to your point, the Israel-Hamas situation, Russia continues to be in Ukraine. Um, Energy prices around the world continue to be high. We continue to see China taking steps from the central government to block exports. So there are still plenty of major impact situations that remain kind of on the table that could any time we wake up one morning, they happen and it substantially changes the global S&D. So we like that the fertilizer prices are down substantially from where they were. But don't for a moment believe that they're going to stay there forever. Yeah, as you think about farmer profitability in 2024, I think fertilizer prices coming down certainly is going to help that, hopefully, input side a little bit more. Um, as far as where producers are at with locking in their fertilizer, do you estimate that what percentage have been locked in by now? Uh, that's really, really hard. Uh, that's something we've tried to do before, but the problem is it's just such a wide marketplace trying to figure that out to relatively good level. I, I will say the fall season, uh, you know, a lot of the Western Corn Belt is having a very, very good fall run so far. Weather has been conducive. A lot of tons have been purchased. A lot of reports coming back that demand is steady and good. So we think that's a very good start that indicates to us that prices are, they're not low enough, right? They're never low enough, but they're good enough to incent these guys to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to get this stuff going. So we hope that that will continue to be case as we go into winter, as we go into next spring. Let's talk urea here specifically. Global prices, we've continued to see those slide, but we've seen some good demand starting to pick up here as well. Yes, uh, India is a country that we always watch very, very closely because they make these huge purchases all at one time. And the last purchase they made was 1.8 million metric ton. It's a major, major buy. Since that point, we've seen global values. The uh, Middle Eastern region has dropped by $50 a ton. Since early September, NOLA, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana values have dropped by triple digits. So values are down, but we're also very reluctant to sit there and say it's going to continue. We won't be lower forever. And we're starting to see some times, uh, signs. Yesterday, we heard that a nitrogen plant in Europe, in Italy, actually is going to be shut down due to economic reasons. The price of urea has fallen substantially. Their natural gas price remains high. They're starting to say, no moss, we got to shut this thing down. So these are the little indicators we got to watch for to see, are we reaching that bottom? Is that going to bring buyers forward and all of a sudden we go ratchet back higher? What about some of the other major markets? Potash, of course, with the Israel Hamas has been, I think, impacted fairly greatly. I, you know, I was surprised to learn that Israel was the fourth largest potash producer until that conflict started to erupt. 
I'm going to be truthful with you. I had forgotten all about it. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you, that morning I woke up that Saturday morning to the news and I thought, oh, okay, it's not a big deal. And I started, wait a minute. I've got a friend of mine that actually works for an Israeli potash company. I wonder where they sit. And so I went back, looked at our trade book and it's like, oh, wow, that's right. They're the number four. Fortunately, their operations have not been impacted. We've continued to see flows. We've not seen the potash market really react to it. But again, it's one of those situations that takes one rocket, it takes one attack, and everything changes. So we're watching that very closely. Uh, phosphate, you know, the Chinese government blocking phosphate exports is a huge deal. Uh, the U.S. The DOC actually reduced the phosphate import tariffs on Morocco from 20% down to 2.12%. A huge, huge win, but we don't think it's going to help. We don't think they're going to bring it in. Uh, Morocco's going to hold out for 0%. So, unfortunately, that's not going to be the win we thought it was going to be. And nitrogen's always nitrogen, right? It's, it's all over the place. You know, as we were heading into this time last year, we were sitting on maybe this potential energy crisis, especially going on in Europe with Russia shutting off Nord Stream 1, messing with some of the flow there. Where are we at today as far as heating costs heading into the winter months here, both in the U.S. and in Europe? So fortunately, the U.S. market has seen natural gas values remain relatively low. Um, in Europe, we watched the, uh, the Dutch TTF. That's the market we watch for natural gas. When Russia made that move at its absolute high, and I believe this was August of 22, values reached $102, in MMBTU when they used to be historically four, five, six dollars. So massive, massive price rallies. Today, those values are down substantially. It's back down in the $14, $15 range. So it's a shell of what it used to be. But when you think about it, $14, $15 is still triple what is considered to be normal in Europe. So still higher prices, but not near the horrible event that was last year. Other factors coming out of the Russia-Ukraine Black Sea region, where are we at with watching that unfurl? I know that's a major fertilizer production area as well, and we're still continuing to see, obviously, missile attacks and, and whatnot going on. Yeah, Russia is a major, major exporter on all three majors, right? Nitrogen, phosphate, and potash. And that was one of the big things that led us to the record high prices back in March, April 22, was the belief that they're invading Ukraine and the world was going to say, we're done with you, we're not going to do any business. Fortunately, from a fertilizer perspective, we found a new normal. We did get stuff coming. They've not really been affected. They've continued to export. So that is something we're still watching. It's one of those things that we're saying it's a low probability but high impact. If all of a sudden they, Russia were to do the unthinkable in Ukraine, we could see them shut off and very quickly we see fertilizer turn around. And that's what this seems like, it. the Middle East situation. If Iran starts to play a part, it's a different ball game. If Russia does something really bad in Ukraine, it's a different ball game. We're right there on the edge of things. I really hope these are stories that I don't have to actually dive into. I'm just always amazed, too, at how you have your pulse on all of these smaller intricacies that I don't think, you know, we see in the news reported on. But it's, it's certainly interesting from your perspective to watch all of these smaller things unfold or hopefully never unfold, as you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I bet. Josh, as we head into 24, any other big stories or things that are on that tipping point that you're continuing to watch? Yeah, this is going to be a story for the North American farmer. Uh, logistics are still going to be a very, very big storyline. Last fall, the big story was the Mississippi River and other tributaries, very low water levels, record low water levels. And also we got a major snowpack in the north and it all melted all on the same day, it seemed like, and we dealt with flooding. Well, now, this fall, we're right back to low water levels. So it's one of those situations where we always sit there and say, we don't need to just look at our hometown. We need to look at the world because things halfway around the world can absolutely impact our operations at home. 
but that doesn't mean you don't consider it home. We, we can have a situation where you could have me back on. I could sit there and say, hey, New Orleans, Louisiana barges have dropped by $20 a ton. And your listeners might be sitting there saying, well, then why did my price go up $10? It could be that logistical situation. We could be seeing barge prices go up. We could be seeing uh, shutdowns as far as uh, traffic on the rivers. And now all of a sudden you're dealing with higher priced rail and truck traffic. So these things, yes, the overall marketplace will indicate your direction. But don't think that for a second that means it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar move. If Middle East goes up $10, it doesn't mean you're up $10. If, if China's down 20 it doesn't mean you're down 20 It's a direction. It gives you a, a point of view on it. But watch those at-home type situations. Yeah, that that sparked another question, uh, which is the Panama Canal. Been starting to report on that quite a bit, seeing a lot of decrease in shipments going through that area. Will that logistically have an impact on fertilizer? Fortunately, there's not a huge amount of fertilizer that flows through there. Um, actually, Bloomberg put out a chart that showed, and when you got to the fertilizers, it was a shell of what, like grains and everything else was. So there's not a lot that goes through there. It's certainly something we do need to watch. But, yeah, it's, it's going to impact other markets quite a bit more. Great. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, there you go. Listeners, if you've got guests or topics you want us to talk about, make sure you share those with us. But Delaney, for today, is it time to let them go? Let's let them go.